Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Kmack. Hello, everybody. So today, we've got a lot to talk about. Oh, M20 God. spoilers <laughs> have begun, uh, and it's been a packed week. We've gotten nine legendary creatures this week, many, many, many potential main deck cards. Um, so we're going to blaze right into it. But before we start, I just want to briefly talk about our Patreon if you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get some cool rewards for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can also help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Okay, uh, let's let's just jump right into it. Yeah, um, we got a lot to jump right into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, as always, we start our reviews with the legendary creatures that have been spoiled and it talk a little sense. bit about how to build them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's begin with Safara Sky's Blade. Do you want to read this out? Yeah, so Safara Sky's Blade is a 7-7 flying lifelink for 4 and 3 white, so CMC of 7. She is an angel, she has other creatures you control with flying have indestructible, but she also has this uh, interesting line of text. You may pay white and tap four untapped creatures you control with flying rather than pay the spell's mana cost. Um, so, yeah, that's actually, there's a lot more going on with this card than just a big beater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It definitely seems, when I, whenever I see like seven power evasion, mm-hmm. that cues me to think about voltron yeah really though um so while you could build this as sort of like a flying tribal deck that where you play a bunch of flyers and then she grants them all indestructible like i'm wondering if it's better just to use the flying generators like you know spectral procession and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. as ramp spells to just help get safara down faster and then from there like beat in and give her double strike yeah, I mean, uh, I think that when your commander is a three hit, that always becomes an option. <laughs> yeah. And especially one that can come down so quickly. So there are not as many token generators, flying token generators, as you might think in mono white, but the ones that exist are pretty good because you got Spectral Procession, which is most of the way there. We got Battle Screech, recent reprint. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and then you got like these nice hate bears you get the hushwing grift uh linvala even mind sensor there's like some f- famous flyers uh that they printed in the last few years that generate advantage that you can also use to turn her out real quick uh there's also some value guys like mm-hmm. pilgrim's eye bygone bishop sky scanner and then there's some anthems on that happen to be flyers like archangel of thune celestial crusader an Angel of Jubilation. I forgot about Celestial Crusade. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I'd say that this is not going to be a great commander. Um, yeah, this will be like, this is the fun commander you bring to like beat down if you're into that. Yeah. This doesn't really open up more avenues, I don't think, for Mono White. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, it is nice that she can sort of if she can break the symmetry on your board wipes, yeah, but she doesn't, but unlike Avison, uh, angel of hope, she doesn't break symmetry on mass land destruction. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty nice. Yeah. Just like pushes you more towards fun. And also I, I like that she does push you to build around 
the thing. Like, I want to cast her cheaply. Um, also note that it's not an activation. So this does, it's a alternative cost. You do have to pay commander tax on it. Mm-hmm. So just so everyone out there is clear. Do you want to talk about this next guy? Sure. This is Atemsis All-Seeing. It's three blue, blue, blue for a four, five legendary Sphinx. It has flying and pay two and a blue, tap, draw two cards, then discard a card. Whenever Atemsis All-Seeing deals damage to an opponent, you may reveal your hand. If if cards with at least yeah. six different converted mana costs are revealed this way, that player loses the game. <laughs> so uh, I, I think this is a cute design. Um, it's like the fact that it's got six CMC, five toughness, four power, three cost activation, draw two, discard one. That's... Awesome. Yeah, That's really rad. cool Melvin-y Easter egg. Yeah. Um, I don't think that this is like so much a unique archetype. No, no, no. I, I agree with that. I think that like this is, I mean, more or less, honestly, with the exception of like two cards is probably going to just be blue good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because the thing is like you can fit in just good staple effects across all CMCs like at five you're gonna have your time warp and at one you're gonna have like your cantrips and two you're gonna have your counter spells like there's mm-hmm. things there are good stuff things to do at just all the way up and down yeah. so and, and something to note too if you really want to kill someone is like paradoxical outcome like bounce some mana rocks draw some cards like you pretty much are guaranteed at that point because mm-hmm. like if you bounce like a soul ring and a worn power stone and a Thrain dynamo <laughs> or like all the way you're most and yeah you're yeah. most of the way there you just need to draw like a land and yeah and like two, two other, other things yeah. yeah so not hard to do uh blue phage i welcome um yeah and that's wonderful uh, the next one. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> he's so strong. This is crazy. <laughs> uh, so this is Vilas, Broker of Blood. It is five black, black, black for an eight-eight legendary creature demon with flying. He has black pay two life. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn, and then whenever you lose life, draw that many cards. So this is an incredibly strong commander. And so nuts. Black has 15 ways to pay life without restriction, meaning that you don't also have to pay mana or tap something or sacrifice something. So there's just eight, like 15 cards out there where it's just like pay some amount of life, do something. So the deck is basically just going to be tutors to find those things Um, because most of them are playable Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then super cheap mana rocks uh, just acceleration um, and then like a couple win cons because really once you're drawing your deck you just want to be able to like go from zero mana to enough mana to kill someone yes yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, there i think win conditions like etherflux reservoir would be one which is four cost artifact um whenever you cast a spell gain life for each spell you've cast this turn and then pay 50 life noob dupe somebody yeah deal 50 (laughs) so with that if you get that into play after you've drawn your 40 cards then you can kind of just go like well i cast a ritual and then i cast a mana rock and then i cast a ritual and Mm. uh and you'll a like repay all the life you've paid to your like mischievous poltergeist or whatever, (laughs) whatever life outlet you used. 
Um, but you'll also get probably go even higher than that and get enough life to just shoot somebody to death. Other cards that are good in this. Oh, another one that's uh, kind of funny. I liked, um, I think this could also be a Bolus's Citadel deck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because you're just running a lot of cheap cards that you can, it doesn't co- cost you a lot of life to cast them off the top, and there is some synergy between that and your commander. Um, it's, yeah, it's really powerful. I, I've got a list that I'm linking to in the episode description, and you can take a look at it. It's still a little rough at this point, but the gold fishing has been like, sub turn four every time <laughs> really good no yeah this guy seems really really nuts so yeah uh mono black wow you mm-hmm. got so many presents the last year okay here's a question do you think he'll be banned it's not like a it's not a zero oh, card yeah. combo like grizzle brand but it is just a one card combo and there's like more than 10 cards that'll do it um i don't know i i'm my assumption right now is no just because I think that, like, they've been so conservative about banning things lately, and this mm-hmm. is, like, riding that line in the same way that, like, a few other things that I think they consider bannable are. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've been wrong most of the time when it comes <laughs> to the ban list, so uh, I don't know if I'm the best person to trust. Okay. Pretty much, I don't think I could have guessed any of the decisions they've made about the ban list in the last over a long yeah at a couple years a couple years yeah okay fair enough uh moving on we are getting into the wedge commanders so m20 has a cycle of wedge legendary creatures Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they have all been spoiled in this first week so it's like hard to imagine how they're gonna build on that for next week yeah (laughs) um but the first one we're going to talk about today is kalia zenith seeker she is red, white, black for a 3-3 legendary human cleric with flying and vigilance. And when Kalia enters the battlefield, look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal an angel card, a demon card, and or a dragon card from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So this means that, uh, just to clarify, if you see in the top six cards of your library an angel, demon, and dragon, you can get all of them into your hand. But what do you think about this card? Man, uh, I mean, she gives you something to do as you're waiting to get mana to cast those those demons and dragons and angels that you just drew. Mm-hmm. You're like, hmm, uh, well, don't have my ramp spell, so I'll cast my commander. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, not not the strongest. Yeah. is what I would say. I think that the original Kalia, although she is perhaps too powerful and it's yeah. unfortunate that like she kind of negated the potential for like a demon commander or a good angel commander mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. she was so effective as a tribal commander for those tribes but she got it right yeah in that like the the biggest stumbling block for all of those tribes is that they're all incredibly expensive yes and, and like dropping them into play and negating their mana cost was like an excellent way to make them playable mm-hmm. much more playable in commander whereas this kalia like well for starters i don't like etb triggers on commanders because yeah. it's like okay she's down and then she like doesn't do anything yeah. else your commander is now a virtual vanilla yeah like or i guess a virtual french vanilla for the rest of the game yeah so yeah Yeah. you can blinker but that's still not that exciting it doesn't you're not really building with her 
Yeah, um, I also like this is a I'm gonna put this complaint in here now, but it'll come up again when we talk about some of the other commanders. Mm-hmm. Is I'm getting kind of tired of ETB commanders just because like there's only so many blank cards, and there's so many ETB commanders that I don't want to have to run the same blank cards mm-hmm. in every single ETB deck. Like, why do I have to run Conjurer's Closet and all of these? Yeah. Like, what's the like? I, I don't know that too that there's only so many cards that synergize with that that mm-hmm. like yeah it just gets to me sometimes yeah but but anyway the play pattern in this deck just seems like it's going to be okay turn three i'll cast kalia and it's like sweet i got a hellkite tyrant and <laughs> i got a runescard demon and i got this awesome avacyn angel of hope I can't wait until three turns from now yeah. <laughs> when I get to start casting these things. Assuming you also drew lands yeah. or something. Yeah, it's pretty, it's uh, slow mm-hmm. for sure. Very slow. And like, it's not like you're in ramp colors. You're in, <laughs> you're in red, white, and black. Like you can't yeah. get to those things any faster. It just doesn't seem like a card that's designed for commander. Yeah. Except in the sense that, uh, she is very good in the main deck of a Kalia of the Vast deck. Yeah, Kalia yeah, 1.0. Yeah. It's like, oh, cool, three more cards. Yeah, sweet. That's all the gas I need. <laughs> Thanks, me. Yeah, high fives yourself. Um, all right. Ooh, the next one is a lot more interesting. Yeah. Can I read this dude off? Go ahead. Yeah, so this is Kethis, the Hidden Hand. Uh, they are a 3-4 Elf Advisor for white, black, green, so Abzan colors. They have legendary spells you cast cost one generic less to cast. They also have exile two legendary cards from your graveyard. Until end of turn, each legendary card in your graveyard gains. You may play this card from your graveyard. It says graveyard a lot on there, but mm-hmm. I, uh, yeah. This guy is weird, and I think Nick made a list, so he has something to say about it yeah i did a little bit of gold fishing so from what i can tell self mill is super super important in this deck oh yeah um because it's hard to just get the legends into your graveyard so you can start using the ability that's kind of tricky i I am running like some sack outlets there are some really sweet legendary sack outlets like yogmoth or (laughs) crab the unredeemed that um black battle bond guy it's like pay black sack x creatures gain x life draw x cards mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um sadisi undead vizier like when it etbs you can sack something yeah, and tutor zoni thousand eye yeah <laughs> yeah that's a really good one so two black black green green when it enters the battlefield uh make a one one insect for each creature card in your graveyard and then pay black green sacrifice another creature draw a card and gain a life so that's great there's also Phyrexian Tower, which yeah, is classic. Like, yeah, yeah, happens to be legendary, which is awesome. So there's some pretty. Oh, there's also God Eternal Bantu, yeah. recent one. Like ETB, you can sack a bunch of permanents and draw a bunch of cards. Mm-hmm. So there's some decent sack outlets that can sort of get that going. So, but really, in order to make the ability work, the activated ability work. You just need to have a ton of cards. You can't just like onesie twosie. Oh, I've got this legend in my graveyard because you need like enough of them in there that there's gonna that you're gonna be okay with sacrificing a couple to or like exiling a couple so that you get the rest of them. Yeah. Because there's that like minimum cost, you need to have a lot to make it worthwhile. So yeah. I'm running a mesmeric orb. 
Um, I'm running Hermit Druid. I'm running Deadbridge Chant, yep. which is an enchantment that when it enters the battle, it's four green black. When it enters the battlefield, mill yourself 10. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose a card at random from your graveyard. If it's a creature, put it on the battlefield. Otherwise, put it into your hand. Uh, Life from the Loam is also really good here. Yep. It's just an easy way to mill yourself a couple cards every turn and make sure you hit your land drops. Um, Undercity Informer and Altar of Dementia are both ways to sacrifice creatures and then mill yourself a bunch of cards. So those are both really great here. But I, I still think there could there's probably more room for self-mill because like when you get it going, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Like if you activate Hermit Druid in this deck and hit like one of the three basics and sh- just put 30 cards in your graveyard, <laughs> it's awesome. It's so good. Um, there, I would also, I would definitely run as many legendary lands as you can fit in here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because like those are perfect fodder for exiling. You just don't care. Recurring lands, especially like recurring Aganjo Castle and Okina Temple to the grandfathers, like that's not nearly as good as recurring the creature. So you don't feel like you're missing out. Yeah. Um, there's also some legendary creatures that themselves do like interact with the graveyard and recur things. So like Storev, Devkarin Lich is like the four cost five, four that with trample, when it hits somebody, you get to cast a creature or planeswalker from your graveyard. Teshar ancestors. Apostle is really, really good in this deck. Um, Teshar is three and a white for a two, two flyer. When you cast a historic spell, you can reanimate a creature with CMC three or less so that's a great like you're casting a lot of historic spells that's what this deck is all about mm-hmm. so it's it's great um Marin of clan Neltoth, she recurs a creature every turn yeah and uh she's pretty strong as well so there's a lot to do there's also a ton of value legends like azusa just dropping getting your extra land dropped captain sisse searching out more legendary creatures Reki which is whenever you cast a legendary spell, draw a card. Another thing that's going to happen a lot in this deck. Yeah. And like, you know, Timna, the Gitrog monster. Um, there's also some really powerful planeswalkers because of course, planeswalkers are all legendary now. So Elspeth, Sun's champion, Ugin, the spirit dragon, Liliana, dread horde general. There's yeah. so many really strong uh, planeswalkers and legends that this deck is running. And even though like all these cards are kind of just like good cards, they because it's like because it's you're required to run this unique grouping of cards it feels less good stuffy yeah. than it normally would yeah it's kind of like you're writing this like awkward line of like these cards like it's like a loose ship thrown together mm-hmm. that you're sailing off in yeah um, but I've got a list for this and I'm gonna post it in the episode description so check it out um, feedback is totally welcome this is you know we're we're on this card was spoiled like two days ago, so I'm sure there's a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this next guy, um, we're not going to spend too much time talking about because the command zone spent a whole episode talking about this mm-hmm. guy. Uh, but this is Kaikar Winds Fury, a 3-3 flying bird wizard for one blue, red, white. So four CMC uh, has whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying and sacrifice a spirit, add red. So, uh, this is three color, more broad, uh, Talrand. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot going on here just because it's so incredibly, non-creature spells are a majority of magic cards. Yeah. (laughs) Really broad. Um, 
there's a lot of way angles to to synergize with this card. Oh yeah. Um, cheap red cantrips and looting spells are naturally very good here since they they're card neutral and they are mana neutral because you can just generate a spirit, sack it. Oh, I, I guess that faithless looting was free, or I guess that magmatic insight was free. Other cards that trigger when you cast non-creatures are really good, like Monastery Mentor. When you cast a non-creature spell, you get a monk, and then you pump all your guys. Or rather, the monk they, has they prowess. prowess. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sub- Sahili, Sublime Artificer, makes servos when you cast non-creatures, Young Pyromancer. Uh, although that although Young Pyromancer only triggers off of instants and sorceries, most of this deck, it's mostly instants and sorceries. Yeah. Um, what what are some other cards that are good in this deck? Yeah, so um, anything that triggers like when a creature you control hits to draw a card, which of of which there are many now. So Biden of Thassa, Coastal Piracy, Kindred Discovery, because most of your guys are going to be spirits. So you just say spirit, and you draw cards when they enter, and you draw cards when they hit, and it's pretty busted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also things that pump all of your dudes. So you get your Cathars Crusade. Gets really, really ridiculous really, really quickly. Mm-hmm. Shared animosity. Um, and you can even run if you wanted the... Um, oh, God. I forget what it's called every time. The, oh, uh, Coat of Arms. Coat of Arms. I forget. I use it all. The, it, it's so stupid. I shouldn't... I know. Oh, I yeah, it's such it. a staple. Um, but yeah, Coat of Arms is really awesome here for the same reason that shared animosity is really awesome. Mm-hmm. They just get so big. And there's also some spirit generators that are worth running. Um, so, like, Midnight Haunting, uh, it's pretty easy. Yeah, just getting, like, if you are getting an equal amount of spirits, uh, or amount of spirits equal to the amount you're putting in, mm-hmm. amount of mana you're putting in, then, like, it's essentially free to cast. Yeah. And if you have other things going on, that, like, for example, the things we mentioned, the Monastery Mentor, the Sahili, the Young Pyromancer, the Kindred Discovery, the Cathars Crusade, mm-hmm. any of those things, like, you're free in terms of mana and you are getting all these other triggers and stuff. Yeah, just building up from there. And for the same reason, Tectonic Reformation is really good mm-hmm. because, like, any of that excess mana, uh, red red that you just have floating, you can turn those lands that are kind of gumming up your hand and turn them into actual cards that'll do something. Yeah, I just want to... Bef- I uh, also want to point out Promise of Boonray, which oh, is yeah, like a yeah. totally obscure card, yeah. but it's two and a white for an enchantment. Uh, whenever a creature you control dies, you can sacrifice Promise of Boonray if you do create four spirit tokens. So you cast it, you get one spirit token, you sack that spirit token for mana, you get four other spirits. Yeah. Huge, like incredibly efficient. Yeah, it's really funny. And then last but not least, Jeskai Ascendancy... It's very good. It does everything. <laughs> everything you want. you want. Yeah, it, it helps you like dump your excess lands for more gas. It pumps your whole team. It's super, super powerful. Yeah, nuts. So this guy seems very, very good. I think is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, and we'll play very differently from Tower End. I think just because like Tower End being mono blue, you're forced to kind of do some things, mm-hmm. which is cool too because it's a very broad thing. But you're mono blue. Where this guy is like all over the place. Yeah, and the free mana, it like really, it's such a strong incentive. Oh my god, yeah! That it completely warps the deck in that direction. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Towerand doesn't have that, so it's no. just going to look very different. Yeah. So uh, this next guy, though. Oh, sorry. I just want to mention also that um, 
We've got a car car list. Oh, it's going to be in yeah. the episode description. Yeah, yeah, Check yeah. it out. And of course, give us your feedback. Yeah, for sure. On all of these guys, please do. Um, but yeah, so next guy. Um, do you, should I read it? Do you I'll, read it? I'll, I'll read it. Yeah. It's Omnath, Locus of the Royal. One green, blue, red for a legendary elemental. It's a 3-3, and when Omnath enters the battlefield, it deals damage to any target equal to the number of elementals you control. It also has, whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on target elemental you control. If you control eight or more lands, draw a card. What do you think about this guy? Oh, man. Okay, so this is like such a weird Tatiova (laughs) is Mm -hmm. my opinion on him. Um, You said something funny earlier that was the two more printings and he'll be a Wooburg elemental commander oh yeah every time we see omnath he's got another color in his identity yeah so i think in two more printings we'll get the five color elemental commander that people have been wanting mm-hmm. but um that's not order i know order of notions exists like i like order of notions that, that's not the point but um this is a really weird tribal reward mm-hmm. um the fact that you don't really get gas out of it until you get to eight lands is really strange the like etb damage is is weird (laughs) it's very strange yeah like i'll I'll reiterate what we said earlier which is like i don't like etb triggers on my commander yeah the fact that you're paying that's half of what you're getting with this guy seems very very not cool Mm -hmm. (laughs) not it's like I can definitely imagine, like, elemental tokens, there's a lot of spells that make a lot of them. So mm-hmm. I can imagine a game state in which you have, like, a board full of 24 elementals and you drop this guy and you kill someone. But th- in general, it's... Uh, eh. Yeah, so it also, like, I just don't like this put a plus one plus one counter on target elemental yeah. control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the... the Enter the battlefield trigger really implies that you're going super wide with mm-hmm. elementals. You're going to have a bunch of them on the battlefield when you drop this guy and it's like, boom, seven damage there. But this doing like one counter on one creature, like one at a time, like maybe once per turn, maybe twice per turn if you're lucky, like that's nothing. No, it's that's nothing. nothing. Like nobody plays retreat to Kazandu. Yeah. Like that's, this is not going to make you feel smart for committing to elementals over all the other creature types in magic even like the the benefit of this guy is that you're blue so instead of an eight mana or is he seven mana old omnath seven mana seven mana like red green omnath you get a four mana red blue green omnath but he doesn't turn on like he doesn't really do the thing until you've got eight lands anyway yeah that being said Ferdlid and this guy best friends like Ferdlid was already really good friends with old omnath Mm mm-hmm but this guy in Ferdalid, they're still there. You see him. It's like you check in. You're like, oh, I wonder how that, that couple from high school is doing. And like, turns out they they're got married. married. They, they got, got three kids. Yeah, they're doing great. They're yeah. living a good life. That's where Ferdalid and Omnath are. But mm-hmm. um, this is, it's just like a really weird, it feels like a really weird landfall deck where you don't really get what you want. It's like Omnath being coy with you for mm-hmm. most of the game. Yeah, I I don't think that the right way to build this involves a whole lot of elementals. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure this is just a landfall deck. Although, like, you kind of question, like, what is even the point of this guy <laughs> when, like, Tatiova exists yeah. and when, yeah. like, Omnath Locus of Rage exists? Because, like, 
the biggest reason to have red in Tatiova's color identity is just for Omnath Locus of Rage. That's like the best landfall payoff in red. So like if that's if and same, like the best landfall payoff in blue is Tatiova. It's just like does this commander need to exist when the cards you're most excited to draw every turn are these other two legendary creatures that you could easily run. Yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, agree with that. And it just kind of gets back to the thing too, where like, there's just not like the landfall triggers that people might be excited to run as this guy's a landfall commander. Like they're not, they're st- we're still not there. Everybody, mm-hmm. they haven't printed more of them. Mm-hmm. Like not really. Like we got, uh, What's his face? Three two, Hunter. Oh man, tireless tracker. Tireless tracker. Yeah, we he's got, good. Uh, so we've gotten some like pseudo landfall evolution, evolution sage stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like, <laughs> so yeah, this guy's very strange. And like a lot of the elemental tokens, I assume that you're going to be going wide with will come from like a few spells. Is my guess is what's going to happen. We're going to see like tempt with vengeance a lot. Uh, someone might lose to Tempt with Vengeance one time and then they'll feel like a fool and never do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, it's a shame because like very like the first day of spoiler season, we saw like these two elemental tribal cards yeah. and one was green blue and one was green red. And I was like so certain, oh, we're getting a teamer elemental commander. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's definitely happening. And I was pretty excited because like Horde of Notions... I mean, it's like, it's fine. But, it's fine, yeah. But, but the problem is, like, it incentivizes you to play with, like, the most expensive, most powerful elementals because you want to get the most value off of this, like, really expensive, cumbersome Wooburg yeah. <laughs> activation cost. But I thought that we would... I thought that, like, based on the other... The, like, two elemental tribal cards we saw, it was going to be, like, a go-wide elemental commander focused in the colors that are, like, most closely yeah. associated with elementals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then we got this. Yeah. I mean, And this really doesn't... Like you said, like, it doesn't incentivize going wide at all. Like, the ETB trigger being what it is, like, I, that's not, like, an incentive. Like, mm-hmm. it's so weird. I don't... Oh, God. So. Yeah. Oh, okay. Omnath. We'll see you next time. Four color. Which one, Which color do you think is going to add next? White or black? Let's see, I would say black. Black. Yeah, I was going to say black too. I think there's a lot of good black elementals. They're gonna. He's gonna like merge with Yerok. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, nice. All right. Uh, the next one is the buy a box promo. Yeah. It is Rien Angel of Rebirth. Two red, green, white for a 5-4 legendary angel with flying. Other multicolored creatures you control get plus one, plus oh. And whenever another multicolored creature you control dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. What do you think about this card? Uh, this is... Uh, well, I actually think it's funny because I've been trying to like make commanders that use that last line of text or a similar line to that line of text. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that like as thinking about this it came out with this guy uh i think it's strong i think this deck is going to be like pretty good and i think that you get to run a ton of like really strong classically good cards like you're going to be running harmonic sliver you're going to be running like knight of autumn quasali pride mage renegade rallyer uh dauntless escort there's like a bunch of really cool um multicolor creatures that 
really want to die <laughs> mm-hmm. or don't mind dying Girl yeah rage beast in particular too you can just fight something yeah there's definitely some strong etb triggers yeah. on these guys um there's also a lot of good sack outlets mm-hmm. in these colors you've got access to evolutionary leap birthing pod greater good um really really you've got everything you need to make a sweet recursion engine you've got your commander bringing stuff back you've got the good creatures to feed into the engine you've got the sack outlet You've got everything you need. And then on top of that, because you have like, you're naturally running a bunch of sack outlets, what you can do is it's really easy to assemble some of these sack fodder combos. Oh, yeah. Because you're on color for Karmic Guide and Revel Arc. Like, Karmic Guide gets back Revel Arc. You sacrifice Karmic Guide, you sacrifice Revel Arc. That brings us back Karmic Guide. You're back where you started. Uh, Karmic Guide and Safi, uh, Eric's daughter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Revel Arc and Safi, Sun Titan and Safi, Sun Titan and Gift of Immortality, Boon Weaver Giant and Gift of Immortality, yeah. <laughs> uh, Renegade Rallier and Safi. There's just so many cards in these colors that fit together to produce infinite of whatever your sack outlet generates. So that's uh, a pretty good win condition once you're done like valuing people out and controlling the board. Anyway, we've got a list for this commander, so go ahead and check that out and yeah. give us your feedback. Yeah, there's really not too much to say. I think like the creatures kind of speak for themselves mm-hmm. on it. Uh, this next guy, we mentioned him earlier. Uh, this is Yarak the Desecrated. So they are a 3-5 Death Touch lifelink elemental horror for 2 black, green, blue. So 5 CMC. If a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Uh, wow, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> there's like, there's just so, so Panharmonicon for like everything mm-hmm. is pretty good. There's a ton of ETB triggers. Like, yep. Oh my geez like holy cow (laughs) there's some really easy infinite mana combos with this Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. for example if you've got a shrieking drake or a dream stalker Mm -hmm. or a cavern harpy and then like a palancron or a um oh yeah peregrine drake or even i think cloud of fairies works Uh uh-huh so you can get like infinite uh infinite mana depending on which combination uh, you're using. You can get infinite storm. You can get a lot of good stuff. And, and also once you have infinite mana with like shrieking Drake or dream stalker mm-hmm. or cavern harpy, then you also get infinite ETBs of whatever other creatures you might have. Does priest of gigs cavern heart. That one works too, right? Cause six, uh, you, you don't get the, black, right? you don't get the blue. Oh, you don't get the blue. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate. Um, but so combo potential and also just like obvious value potential, like getting double reclamation sage seems sweet. Wow. Uh, a wood elves that like pays for two of its <laughs> mana Whoa. seems amazing. Yes, yeah, pretty good. So there's a lot you can do with this guy. It does have a little bit of like the fire song and sunspeaker problem where it's like it's expensive enough that you can't easily like cast him and do the thing in the same turn. Mm-hmm. So what's probably going to happen is like, you know, you accelerate him out. Maybe you get him down turn three or four, but then you pass the turn and then you just look at each of your opponents like, please allow me to play my deck. Please allow me to play my deck. Please allow me to play my deck. And if they all pity you enough, then you get to play your deck. But if they don't, then you're in trouble. Yeah. 
I mean, maybe you're in one of those playgroups with like not that many board wipes, then uh, you'll probably get to play a little bit more. But uh, that's not always the case. Yeah. Uh, so th- again, I think there's a list for this guy. Um, oh, also, sorry, mm-hmm. I, f- I forgot. Um, I don't know why I mentioned Palancron with Shrieking Draker Dream Stalker okay. or, because Palancron by itself. Oh yeah. Is oh mana. yeah. No, that's true. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Anyway, Palancron. it's good. Yeah, this deck is good. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, Sultai, good stuff. Yeah, strong. Yeah, so again, check the list and let us know. This next guy, do you do you want to read this guy off? I do. Um, so this is Golos, Tireless Pilgrim. It's five generic mana for a 3-5 legendary artifact creature scout. When Golos, Tireless Pilgrim enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a land card, put that card onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. He also has two white, blue, black, red, green. Exile the top three cards of your library. You may play them this turn without paying their mana costs. What do you think about it? (laughs) So, I mean, before I really get into that, I want to bring up this weird piece of trivia from an article this week when they spoiled him. Sure. Saying that uh, they really want to keep a five color commander in standard for brawl every year Hmm. and that seems buck wild to me yeah um i don't understand why like i still am a proponent for brawl because i think it would have been a good idea if they supported it at all like if they're like here come do this thing at the store we'll give you free oh, stuff like events yeah or like any events for it but they didn't they're just like here's this format and everyone was like we don't really want to play this i don't want to like, pay more money for my commander yeah multiplayer format yeah and then they're like oh well, here we're making we're designing to brawl and everyone's like what we stopped playing that <laughs> what's going on so i think that's really weird but um, yeah, I mean, in general, to get to like some more designy things, I mean, I am very strongly of the opinion that except for like one version of the deck, which is the one we're primarily going to talk about right now, the Maze's End, uh, I think this is just good stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that this just builds into like you get the mana or whatever you need, you get the strongest lands you want, and you're playing five color control probably. Yeah, the way I see it, is um this is a commander that allows you to play essentially lets you play any other land any land is your commander yeah (laughs) because you can get access to it every game um so you can build your and and normally it's not super feasible to do that i mean you'd have to run like a critical mass of land tutors like your expedition map and your crop rotation and your sylvan scrying all those um but this way you don't have to commit a bunch of deck slots to finding this land every game it's like my commander does that it's real easy. I can just move on to the part of the game where I get to play building around this Hall of Heliod's Generosity or this Volrath Stronghold yeah. or this Academy Ruins. Um, so I think the, the the land that people have focused on the most yeah. with uh, regards to Golos and what they want to tutor out is Maze's End, mm-hmm. as you said. So Maze's End, it's always had some fans. Like when we were doing the EDH Rec Deep Dive we saw that there were a bunch of five color commanders that had like mazes end and all the guild gates. Like people (laughs) People really want to pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. And this way you get your mazes end every game. And so your mazes end will help you find your gates. And then also if you have like blink effects, you can blink Golos and go get more guild gates. gates. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the 11th one now. So if one of them gets exiled or something, then 
Whew, okay, we got one more. We got a spare. Yeah, Gateway a Plaza spare, guys. helps you from just making it... In being impossible. Yeah, guaranteed loss. Yeah. There, I don't know what the rest of the deck would look like. Yeah. Once you... Because, like, so many of the important cards just go in your mana base. I mean, you'll run, like, I guess, extra land drop effects so that you can, like, activate Maze and then cast it or, like, replay it in the same turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can activate Maze's End and then drop it again in the same turn. And that'll get you to your your gate Tron a lot faster. You can assemble Exodia more quickly. <laughs> um, but yeah, the rest of the deck, I'm not sure. Because you've got, even with all the extra land drop effects and some blink effects, you're still going to have like 30 or 40 cards that you don't have a lot of direction for. Yeah, there's literally no direction. Yeah, so at that point i guess it's just like bog standard five color control yeah my my fear is that we'll see like a bunch of like lands based controly decks so like things like lots of strip mining happening lots of ramen up excavating mm-hmm. uh some azusa like that's my fear is that we end up seeing this like pretty heinous control deck that like uses its lands to just like wreck everybody else yeah because that's so easy to do I don't think we're going to see that. I think this is going to kind of appeal more to like a casual-ish group, especially being that Maze's End kind of seems like the standout like buzzword mm-hmm. or buzz card when it comes to this guy right now. But I feel like once you start going down the Maze's End path, like it's going to get messed up quickly. Oh, yeah. Because like, you know, if I really want to maze- win with Maze's End, then shouldn't I just like Hermit Druid put my library in my graveyard and then like splendid reclamation yeah <laughs> or or like reanimate my uh world shaper and then sack him and then sack him yeah. or something like that no like, yeah i mean it just it does seem like another five color hermit druid combo list like, yeah taken to the absolute extreme yeah that's the real danger with five color decks so i don't know why they keep printing them but it's just yeah. <laughs> so easy because like so i um talked a lot about reaper king yeah. <laughs> during the modern horizon set review because like that's sort of the go-to example of a commander where it rewards some sort of tribe but doesn't care about the cards doesn't care yeah. about the cards it just wants the cheapest thing possible mm-hmm. and there's so many changelings in modern horizons like oh that goes into reaper king that goes into reaper king yeah <laughs> so somebody asked me like you mentioned reaper king like 20 times can you post a reaper king list and i started working on it and then it just got to the point where like well, I I really want to win with this uh, combo of like wing rattle <laughs> scarecrow and uh, metallic mimic and a sack outlet and just blow up all my opponent's permanents. But the easiest way to assemble this combo is probably just like doomsday, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then should I like tutor out doomsday every game, or I can just like mill my library and then reanimate everything like after I hermit drew it and like yeah. it just that's the problem with five color. It's like you even just, if you're trying to do something like fun and fair, like because you have no restrictions, it just gets dark. Yeah, you quickly. you get pulled to the dark side very fast. There's yeah, there's nothing to stop you. There's literally, especially with this guy, there's literally nothing to stop you. Mm-hmm. So hmm, oh well. Oh oh, one one note, please. If you're doing mazes, end, don't activate him early. Mm-hmm. Like get some of them gates out first. You don't want to hit them gates. I, I'm not too terrified of it because like even if you so first off you get one uh you get to be unlucky once because you have 11 (laughs) gates and i did like a quick calculation on the hyper geometric calculator Mm -hmm, um and the odds assuming that all the gates in are in your library and you activate them like as soon as you can like 
cast him turn five, get a land, activate him turn six. Mm -hmm. Your odds of hitting two or more gates off of his activation is like 4.2%. Okay, that's good. So it's not horrible, but I would definitely like focus on blinking him and activating maze a couple times before you start dig in with his um the activated ability yeah yep um but now we are into some planeswalkers mm-hmm. uh i don't think we have too much to say about these because this episode we have a lot of things to say yeah <laughs> and none of these planeswalkers are really like super crazy so the first one is ajani strength of the pride ajani you know him he's an ajani planeswalker five loyalty four mana so two white white Plus one, you gain life equal to the number of creatures you control plus the number of planeswalkers you control. Minus two, create a 2-2 white cat soldier creature token named a Johnny's Pride Mate with whenever you gain life, put a plus one plus one counter on a Johnny's Pride Mate. That's pretty cute. And then zero. Not you may? Uh, not you may. <laughs> and then zero, if you have at least 15 life more than your starting life total, Exile Johnny's Strength of the Pride and each artifact and creature your opponents control. So, a very interesting take on an ult. I think so. I think this guy yeah. is probably one of my more favorite Johnny's because he's like pushing things in a lot of weird directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, eh. Yeah. So, I think in there are certain commanders where it's going to be really easy to get 15 life oh, more yeah. than your starting life total. Oh, yeah. Like Aloro, you don't even have to do anything. <laughs> you just sit there bored. Yeah. Uh, Karlov and Kambal, oh, yeah. both of them are pretty good at gaining life. But even in those decks, it's still not that much better than like a tragic arrogance or an hour of revelation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like if you know the, the, the planar cleansing is coming, you can minimize the downside to you anyway. Mm-hmm. And that way you don't have to like hit this, it's not like a dead top deck. It's like, even with my life gain, I got beat down to 20 or something. And now this Johnny will never do anything. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like in that situation, an hour of revelation or a tragic arrogance will, you know, could save you. Yeah. Could put you back on top. Yeah. I do like the one thing I like about this guy and kind of like the only thing I really want to say about him is that like, I like that they're making the planeswalkers work insularly more. Mm-hmm. And I think we see this with all these planeswalkers so far, but like the fact that like, you can play him, you're not at 15 more yet, so you make a, a cat, and then when you use your plus one, not only does your cat get buffed, but you get closer to like actually popping him and, and exiling things. So I like to play with him a lot more than past Ajani's, past Mono White Ajani's. Mm-hmm. Do you want to read the next lady? Do you got anything else? No, no, I'm yeah. good. Uh, so this is Mu Yanling, Sky Dancer. She is one blue blue for a two loyalty planeswalker. Plus two until your next turn, up to one target creature gets minus two, minus O, and loses flying. Minus three, create a four four blue elemental bird creature token with flying. And minus eight, you get an emblem with islands you control have tap, draw a card. What do you think about her? Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about her. I think that it's really interesting they made another two loyalty planeswalker. Uh, I don't think she's necessarily good. I think the emblem is hilarious. Those are my general surface-level thoughts about this card. Yeah, I would just say don't run this card. Yeah. Like, the plus two is basically a blank, and it's your only option when you first cast her. <laughs> so... Yeah, my guess... So this is... I mean, this is how I'm going to I'm going to try and use her, and I assume other people are too, is just in proliferate decks. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming we're not going to see her just as a card in a deck. 
And even then, like, you still have better options. Yeah, the thing is, like, the <laughs> proliferate decks are all multicolored. Yeah. So, like, how many <laughs> islands you're even running? I know. How, how many islands can you fit in an Atraxa deck? True. It's so funny. Uh, so yeah, so definitely not not the best. Uh, this next guy, uh, also familiar face, but different abilities. I was going to say different clothes, but I think he's actually wearing the same clothes in the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Soren, Imperious Bloodlord. Uh, four loyalty, three mana, so two and a black. Plus one, target creature you control gains death touch and lifelink until end of turn. If it's a vampire, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Plus one again, you may sacrifice a vampire. When you do, Soren, Imperious Bloodlord deals three damage to any target and you gain three life. Then minus three, you may put a vampire creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. Um, so again, like a kind of like not uh, classical ult on a cheap planeswalker. Uh, Johnny kind of is the same way. And I, I like that about these guys. I like that this is more about like actually you get to play with them because people go like, I don't care. About, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care about this. And so you're like, oh, yeah, I get to play with my sword now. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, the I don't really think that he's super crazy. Yeah. I uh, I think that on, like he says vampire so many times yeah. that clearly this is only going to see play in a vampire deck. Mm-hmm. But like in Edgar, uh, you don't really want to be running that many cards that don't trigger the eminence. Yeah, and this just seems much worse than some of your other options. Like to me, the most powerful like the the curve in Edgar decks are pretty low, so that minus three dropping a vampire from your hand onto the battlefield Isn't... doesn't seem like it's going to get a lot of value. Yeah. And then, like, the other ability that seems like it might do something is, like, sacrificing a vampire to drain something for three. Yeah. But, like, why not just run attrition instead? If you've got really limited non-vampire slots in your deck, this is just much less powerful than some of the other options. Yeah. Um, I will also say that, like, this Zorin looks way different from the other Sorens. Have you, yeah, did you notice that? I did notice that. Um, so like the other Sorens, they tend to show him in a way where he's like really chiseled. He, mm-hmm. He's got sort of that like vampire supermodel thing going on. Yeah. Um, but this one, it just seems like a lot softer. He looks a little bit like Martin Freeman. <laughs> see I do a little bit. Um, I can't remember the actor who plays Malfoy's dad. He looks like Malfoy's dad. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, it's. I think in m- many ways he's a different take on Soren. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, yeah, whatever. Moving on to the main deck cards. Yeah, we did it, everyone. All right, uh, Bishop of Wings. We're gonna start here in white with white, white for a one-four human cleric. Whenever an angel enters the battlefield under your control, you gain four life. And whenever an angel you control dies, create a one-one white spirit creature token with flying. Um, so I was all set to dismiss this guy. I wasn't super stoked for him, but then I realized that he's, uh, he fits into a very unique sort of card and combo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So most things that like produce tokens when stuff dies, say non-token. So like whenever a non-token creature you control dies, create a one, one sapperling. But Bishop is one of very few cards that specify a creature type that dies rather than just saying non-token. So the others are like Rotlung Reanimator, which whenever a cleric dies, you make a 2-2 zombie. Zathrid Necromancer, which whenever a human dies, you make a 2-2 zombie. And Requiem Angel, which whenever a non-spirit creature dies, you create a spirit. 
So that means that if you can overwrite the type of the token, like using conspiracy or xenograft or arcane adaptation, or like by editing the text with artificial evolution, then you get infinite sack fodder. So if you have a conspiracy out and you say, all my creatures are angels, then you sacrifice a spirit angel or rather an angel that was once a spirit, you get another one and you can just pump that into a sack engine and get whatever that engine produces. So at the moment, we don't currently have a critical mass of this type of creature converter, but I, and, and we don't also, we also don't have a critical mass of like the overwriters, the, the conspiracies, the xenographs, et cetera. But it's definitely a card to keep an eye on because once we get enough of those things, this just opens up a new archetype. Yeah. No, I, I've been kind of looking like uh, Zathrid Necromancer. I've had like a few copies and Rotlung Reanimator I had when I was a kid. And like they were always the kind of cards where I'd look at and be like, oh, I really want to use this. Mm-hmm. And never was really able to. So I think you're right. We're getting to this point where we'll eventually get there but i i do i actually do i kind of had the same thought process you did where i saw it and was like oh okay whatever and then went oh no there's actually stuff to do with this There's a little bit deeper yeah mm. um and one day we'll get that critical mass of type changers <laughs> one day maybe it'll probably be like 20 years from <laughs> now <laughs> um yeah but do, do you want to move on yeah oh my god the next one is the so, next one so is good. so good so this is cavalier of dawn this is a 4-6 Vigilance for two white, 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 so 5 CMC. Uh, and spoiler alert, this entire cycle, this is a cycle, is 5 CMC. Um, at least so far. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's some we haven't seen yet. But when Cavalier of Dawn enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target non-land permanent. Its controller creates a 3-3 colorless golem artifact creature token. When Cavalier of Dawn dies, return target artifact or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much value on this guy. Yeah. So like uh oh, it's also worth noting that he's an elemental knight for the, oh, yes. the tribal decks. Yeah, yeah. But uh so the the base case of this card of just like I'm going to generous gift something and when it dies I'll get value. That's great. Like you mm-hmm. controlled the board, you got some recursion, and like it's a respectable beater yeah. for the amount of mana you're paying. That's awesome. But there are a lot of combos with this guy. Yeah, it's crazy. So if you have an like an enchantment that enchants some that like reanimates a creature, like Animate Dead or Dance of the Dead or Necromancy, then like, okay, you have this guy in your graveyard, you animate dead it, bring it back, and then if it dies, then the animate dead will also die and you get to recur that as well. So if you have a sack outlet, then you can just pay one in a black beast within something, beast within something, beast within something. Uh, it's really, really strong. You can also, like, with that combo, instead of targeting your opponent's stuff, you can also just have him target himself because he doesn't say another yeah. <laughs> target permanent. Um, and if that's the case, you're just paying one in a black to make a golem. Yeah, which is uh, not bad. Yeah, it's not a bad rate. It's comparable to uh, Luminarch Ascension. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it also, if, so let's say if you're in white, black, if you're in mono white, you can still do some things with him because, uh, with gift of immortality, like in a sack outlet, then you just, 
I blow something up, I sacrifice him, gift of immortality brings it back. At the end of the turn, gift of immortality comes back as well. And the great thing is that that combo is like, even if they kill him in that brief window before gift of immortality returns, you can still like use that death trigger to get back the gift of immortality. Yeah. <laughs> so at the very least, you'll end up with gift of immortality at the end of it. And also while it's going on, you can recur any other artifacts and enchantments in your graveyard. Yeah. Really nuts. Like this whole thing is amazing. Like it's crazy. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what the, uh, the, we're only missing. Do we have them all now? We're missing the blue one. We're missing the blue one. Okay. So yeah, exciting. Um, Speaking of blue guys, mm-hmm. do, you want, do you want to read this guy off? Uh, yeah, this is Agent of Treachery. It is five blue blue for a human rogue. It's a two three, and when it enters the battlefield, gain control of target permanent. Then at the beginning of your end step, if you control three or more permanents you don't own, draw three cards. <laughs> uh, this, is a, this is a cute card. Yeah, it's really cute. It's really cute. I mean, like the ETB is a lot of the power of this card mm-hmm. it's awesome that it doesn't say like as long as this remains on the battlefield yes. like that text is so annoying and has ruined so many cards yeah yeah really and i think that like they are gonna go down that path if it's like six seven or more mm-hmm. they'll just kind of let you keep <laughs> yeah <laughs> seems to be the case so um i mean the obvious comparison i think is like gilded drake mm-hmm um, Gilded Drake only lets you steal a creature, but it, Gilded Drake is two mana. Yeah. <laughs> so, meh. Yeah, like Gilded Drake, there are several downsides. You're also giving away a 3-3 flyer. Oh, no. Mm, but that, just based on the prevalence of like Pongify and Beast Within and Rapid Hybridization, like 3-3s don't actually matter in commander no it's and so funny it's the five mana difference that really makes makes the yeah makes or breaks it yeah i can imagine someone is playing memnark and like freaked out when they sell this card but well i was thinking uh thought adele Seems oh pretty yeah good. that's pretty rad yeah because like thought adele you're probably you're stealing everyone's soul ring yeah <laughs> uh so you're it's pretty easily it's pretty easy for you to get to three permanents you don't own and then the soul rings you're getting also like help you cast this guy because normally that's a prohibitive mana cost yeah. um but outside of decks that are like dedicated to stealing stuff i definitely wouldn't run this guy yeah i don't think it's gonna happen too often um so the next card is uh cloud Seer. um this is notable basically just because it is an elemental wizard and i don't think we've had a card that did this in this color or these tribes um so it's a two one flyer for three one uh two and a uh, blue and when it enters the battlefield you draw a card so yeah. uh yeah so naban is happy to see another mono blue wizard that mm-hmm. with an etb trigger azami might yeah azami might do it uh I, I think... it, seems, it seems like azami seems like a stretch naban definitely and then inala i would say no yeah but um i think also just the fact that it's an elemental i think that people are going to try to force this in those decks as well uh, sure sure because <laughs> yeah. people are gonna do timur your omnath will deal omnath, one more damage and they're gonna draw a card and put a counter on it <laughs> gonna, yeah the next card though i'm actually excited about this is flood of tears um i'll read, read it? it then then you can talk about yeah it. uh so it's four blue blue for a sorcery 
return all non-land permanents to their owner's hands. If you return four or more non-token permanents you control this way, you may put a permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. Yeah. That's... Yeah, heck yeah, I'm here. Um, so normally, like, returning all non-land permanents is, like, not something you want to do because that's very symmetrical. It's very hard to break that symmetry. So being the first person to drop a card after a board wipe like that, though is huge especially if it's like your commander or something that costs like a ton of mana or even just like a Thran dynamo or something like that Mm -hmm. where like all of a sudden you're like way ahead so obviously it's not cyclonic rift but um i uh i'm spoiler alert we're gonna hopefully talk about some more stuff at the end of this uh like recent things we've been doing and i'm actually really excited because this feeds into something that i've been doing lately (laughs) nice so yeah i think this card's great All right, uh, moving on to Masterful Replication. This is five and a blue for an instant. Choose one. Create two 3-3 colorless golem artifact creature tokens or choose target artifact you control. Each other artifact you control becomes a copy of that artifact until end of turn. Yeah. So So funny. The the first option I think is pretty weak. Yeah, Um, yeah. Generally, you want to be producing more bodies rather than fewer large ones. Um, but I think the second option could be pretty useful. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I think that, um, there's a lot of power in that ability. And I think people maybe have noticed that now that they played with the new Sahili Mm -hmm. a little bit more, um, just all of a sudden, all of your artifacts being blank, like whether that's a mana producer or a big guy Mm -hmm. or a card with an activated, like a tap ability or something like that, like can get really ridiculous really quickly. Yeah, I like that it's, I mean, normally I tend to uh, privilege things that are permanent as opposed to one-shot effects, yeah. but for this, I think it actually makes more sense as a one-shot effect, mm-hmm. because like March of the Machines can be a liability, Yeah, because like, okay, I've just made it so that all of my cards are vulnerable to board wipes, but with this, it's like, it's only going to happen on my turn, and unless somebody's got a route, it's not going to decrease my ability to win the as as far as like specific decks to use this go i think that maybe if your urza deck is having trouble winning the game because <laughs> yeah it's true because you've got the one construct and then you've got a bunch of zero cost artifacts that don't do anything but turning all those artifacts into enormous beaters like it can be a little hard to win with just the one construct, but mm-hmm. if you have twenty of them, you're probably going to be okay. I think we're going to see this in like Brutaclad lists as well. Um, it makes two tokens when you just need two more tokens, and like if Brutaclad died, all your tokens become some bull crap that mm-hmm. you made with like a uh, what's this, uh, Felden or something like that. Sure, so I think that's fine. Uh, yeah, it's not the most. I don't know. I thought it was cute. This is definitely a cute card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um next card uh is part of a cycle right of like colorful artifacts yeah they've been talking for a while about um relying more on colored artifacts and making it not just like a new phyrexia thing or an esper thing Mm -hmm. but just a part of magic because like they can't easily push colorless artifacts yeah and when they do it breaks things because like oh i can run smuggler's copter in every deck yeah wow um so this one, spoiler alert, is a, a two and a blue for an artifact. It's called Portal of Sanctuary. And it has one 
tap, return target creature you control and each aura attached to it to their owner's hands. Activate this ability only during your turn. So I I like this card. Yeah, um, I like this card. I've been a big fan of like bounce engines and this seems to just sort of slot into that type of usage because there's like crystal shard, erratic portal, and now portal of sanctuary mm-hmm. to just let you bounce your Ar- archaeomancer, which will let you bounce your time warp, which will uh, yeah. indirectly untap your portal of sanctuary and all your lands. <laughs> um, whoa, whoa! So yeah, if, if you're building around those kinds of combos, then this is just another uh, combo piece to slot into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I've, there's a ton of decks I've seen over the years that just erratic pour all their own stuff, and this is uh, che- cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only three. Yeah. Uh, that's wonderful. Um, also, it's nice that um, the blue mana is on the casting cost rather than the activation. Oh, that's yeah. also a nice little upgrade. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. So the next card is uh, Scholar of the Ages. Do you, should I read it? Do you want to read it? Uh, I'll read it. Mm-hmm. It's five blue blue for a three three human wizard. When it enters the battlefield, return up to two target instant and or sorcery cards from your graveyard to your hand. So uh, what do you think about this guy? I think this is a really good permanent to drop onto the battlefield after you just uh, flood of tears. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. And then you do that. So that's, uh, I think it is good. I think you get a lot of value out of this, but I think seven mana for a three, three is, um, a decent amount because you're just typically not trying to do that like or or um you're typically when you're running like a uh, numeric uh, uh mnemonic, mnemonic wall. wall or an archaeomancer you're just trying to you're trying to get specific things back you're not just trying to get like value val- yeah mm-hmm. value scoop up the value train so yeah i think that like paying three more mana for an extra card doesn't matter if you're trying to do these time warp combos that we've yeah. been talking about mm-hmm. um but there, this can sort of be its own engine in the right deck. Oh, yeah. So, like, if you're running a really powerful commander in blue that wants to be blinked, I'm thinking, like, Lavinia of the Tenth, who detains all your opponent's permanents with uh, CMC 4 or less, or Rasputin Dreamweaver, who enters the battlefield with a bunch of counters that you can remove for mana. So blinking him is just an awesome ritual that mm-hmm, has, mm-hmm. like, six or seven mana yeah. <laughs> um so those decks are naturally running cards like essence flux or ephemerate and well actually ephemerate wouldn't be perfect here but yeah, yeah, yeah it'd be fine yeah. um so you're running all these cheap blink spells in those decks and if you've got a cheap blink spell and scholar of the ages and a time warp then that is it itself a combo yeah. because the scholar gets back both the blink spell and the time warp mm-hmm Turns uh, out doubling things can combo sometimes. Yeah. So uh, that's, I think those are like, that's probably the best use for him. I don't love just paying seven mana for my value because I want to say like, is it pull from the deep? Yeah, it does it for four. Yeah. Yep. So if you're comboing um, with most decks, Archaeomancer and like the cheaper ones are going to be better. And if you're just trying to get value, then just play pull from the deep, which yeah. is like four <laughs> mana. Yeah. But if you're in Lavinia or Rasputin, I would give this a shot. Mm-hmm. So the next card we're going to talk about is Spectral Sailor. It's a single blue mana for a 1-1 Spirit Pirate with Flash, Flying, and 3 and a blue. Draw a card. 
So what decks do you think this might be useful in? <laughs> so this is very good in Edric, but it's also good in Beckett Brass. Mm-hmm. Wow, we did it. This is also, I just want to say, just because it has Flash, like probably one of the better of the cards for both of those decks. Yeah, definitely. And also like the fact that it gives you a mana outlet is or a mana sink is nice. I can imagine with Beckett Brass, sometimes if you just you might just draw a bunch of pirates and nothing else and be out of gas, but this can slowly refill your hand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not much to say about that guy. Um, also, same with this next one. Uh, this is Winged Words. This is a sorcery. It's two and a blue uh, to draw two cards, but it also has the spell cost one generic less to cast if you control a creature with flying. So... The divination mode, obviously, that's not commander playable. Oh yeah, but if you have a cheap blue commander with flying, I actually this is like a a decent rate. There's not yeah, the only comparable card is like charter course. Like this is just good value mm-hmm. for the cost. Yep. So this is a value card and could slot into a deck at some point in time. So that's cool. Uh, and now we're into black cards, <laughs> and we got a spicy boy. All right, I'll read this one. Yeah. It is Cavalier of Night. Two black, black, black for a four, five elemental knight. It's got lifelink, and when it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature. When you do, destroy target creature and opponent controls. It also has, when Cavalier of Night dies, return target creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Zam. This is really good. <laughs> like uh, most, I mean, just specifically just in mono black lists, you you have lots of fodder mm-hmm. that you just kind of can get back or you don't care about or whatever, whether that's like a floater or, or a blood ghast or something. Mm-hmm. So that's just pretty much just blow something up. Like you yeah. did it. And then the return something also... Mm-hmm. there's just so many good things that cost three or less yeah with like just within black and then within black x mm-hmm. it's crazy yeah in black you've got your flesh bag you've got your merciless executioner <laughs> you've got your plague crafter it's uh it's a lot of value it's pretty crazy yeah and then if you're in other colors you get like phantasmal image or like mirror image um Ooh. which are pretty spicy well, let, let me let me talk about that a little bit more so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're in blue-black, uh, this guy has some combo potential. So if you have a sack outlet and this guy on the battlefield, then you can cast a mirror image or a phantasmal image and copy the cavalier. And then, you know, whatever, you got your ETB trigger. But then you sacrifice the copy to your sack outlet, and then you can return it with its own dies trigger because it itself has CMC three or less. And then you just keep doing that. You get infinite of whatever the sack outlet generates. And you can also get like infinite bone splinters if you just want to keep sacrificing other things to shoot stuff. So it seems uh, really strong. And it's not like you're handicapping yourself much by running any of these cards. Yeah, these are all cards that I run in decks that don't do this. So it's great. Uh, oh man yeah next guy's spicy too yeah uh, i guess i'll read it and you talk about it uh, there's, there's one thing i want to say first mm-hmm. uh i think that the, the white cavalier and the black cavalier are automatically like the two best knights of yeah. all time oh yeah <laughs> so wind or sorry uh 
Ariel, Knight of Windgrace, is getting some real treats here. Yeah, crazy. But um, uh, go ahead. Yeah, so this is Dread Presence. This is a 3-3 Nightmare for 3 and a black, so CMC 4. Whenever a swamp enters the battlefield under your control, choose one. Uh, you draw a card and lose a life, or Dread Presence deals 2 damage to any target and you gain 2 life. Hmm. <laughs> this is really good. This is really good. <laughs> Amazing. Like, this is not what I expected to see in a core set, I guess, but it's pretty rad. Yeah, if it were just the first part, like, mm-hmm. sort of swamp fall, draw a card, lose a life, uh, that would automatically be great. You would just run that in every mono black deck. But the fact that you can also control the board yeah. is amazing. That's yeah. so good. Really crazy. So super powerful, um, good rate even. Yeah. You just, yeah. People have talked about uh, giving him death touch, but I'd say like, unless your deck is already running death touch equipment, don't. Yeah, it's not, you don't need to go out of your way to do that. Yeah, this guy, it works just fine without any additional enhancements. Yeah, I agree. Um, So the next card, uh, do you want me to read it again? Go go ahead, yeah. Is that okay? So this is Scheming Symmetry. Uh, so fun fact, uh, Gavin Ver has been trying to get this card made for like, since he started working hmm. at Wizards, I guess. Yeah. He talked about it on Twitter. Interesting. He's like, I put it into so many sets and it got cut every time. <laughs> uh, but scheming symmetry, one black for a sorcery, choose two target players. Each of them searches their library for a card, then shuffles their library and puts that card on top of it. That's it. I can think of exactly one deck that wants this card. Mm-hmm. So, because in most decks, like, the sorcery speed all but guarantees that your opponent is going to get the card they tutored for before you get the thing you wanted. Oh, yeah. And then they'll kill you with it. <laughs> um, but a listener, Stormcrow Legend, pointed out that this card is really, really good in my Circu Citadel combo list. So, like, top of library tutors are exactly what you want to do when you have a Bolus's Citadel out it's it's much better than get putting into your hand and then you can also use circu to mill your opponent's top card once they stack it with scheming symmetry so they won't get the thing they tutored for and you get to cast the thing you wanted for free Ooh, no yeah it's um i think this is going to have like really like niche uses but uh i think every now and then i'll like be like oh yeah that's that'll work yeah it's pretty cool uh, red cards. You ready for the next Cavalier? Yes. All right. So Cavalier of Flame, a 6-5 Elemental Knight for two red, red, red. So CMC 5 uh, has one and a red. Creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, oh, and gain haste until end of turn. Uh, has an ETB when Cavalier of the Flame enters the battlefield. Discard any number of cards, then draw that many cards. Mm-hmm. And then when Cavalier of Flame dies, it deals X damage to each opponent and each Planeswalker they control, where X is the number of land cards in your graveyard. Uh, jeez. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, this is so good. Yeah. Ugh. It doesn't have quite the combo potential of the other ones, but it's, no. it's still just very strong. Like, there's a, a lot of things I like about this card. So much value on it, yeah. Yeah, like, sculpting your hand is great. Um, I just love that, oh, man, I've got four mountains in my hand, and boom, not a problem anymore. Got full gas. 
Um, it's great that it's like incidentally a haste grinder for your other creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so important in Commander, and to just have it kind of for free on a card that you are already happy to run is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the death trigger is like not killing creatures is, uh, but um, like kill it like incidentally hitting planeswalkers is great and in the right deck you're going to be able to burn your opponents for a lot like the number of land cards in your graveyard between your tectonic reformation between your throws of chaos between Mm -hmm. like your all your tormenting voice variants your magmatic insight your then in fact the next card we're going to talk about also just allows you to get lands in your graveyard it's really easy in red for it's really easy to do that in red these days like even with his ETB trigger yeah. that enables it. So you can burn your opponents out pretty well. And like if you're running, say a Felden deck, yeah, then you can use this guy to stack your graveyard really well. And then once he's in your graveyard and you're recurring him, you're getting his ETB trigger, you're getting his dies trigger and you're just burning your opponents for a ton every single turn. Yeah. Really, really good. Yeah. I would definitely run this in mono red and red, white lists. Yeah, super awesome. Um, this next card, too, uh, we're going to have some similar notes, probably not talk as much about, but this is Chandra's Regulator. Um, I'm just, can I read it again? Is that all right? Yeah, go for it. So Chandra's Regulator, it's a legendary artifact, and it costs one and a red. So our red artifact mm-hmm. has, whenever you activate a loyalty ability of a Chandra Planeswalker, you may pay one. If you do, copy that ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. So you might be going... Why do I care about that? And the answer is, you don't really. You care about this next ability. One, tap, discard a mountain or a red card, draw a card. (laughs) (laughs) Like, for two mana, like, we finally got a looter that doesn't die, that costs two mana, that just does the work for you. And Mm -hmm. it's specifically really good in mono red, um, but just, like, geez, it's really good in mono red. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it, it fixes your your draws so well it keeps you from flooding out if you have graveyard interactions it's really great with those like um for example like once you have this thing out your tormenting voice your faithless looting your other looting spells aren't going to be as useful but you can just pitch them to this yeah and draw more gas um I am just really pleased with this card. It's cool that it works well with like Kirkesh. It works well mm-hmm. with Brings of Bright Hearth. It works well if you have like a Paradox Engine going. It's just a because w- like once you have that, you can just filter through your entire deck pretty much. So it's a really strong card. I'm excited that we have so many of this th- thing now. Like you just can't flood out in red anymore. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, so this is we got the last cavalier for the day do you want to read it can i read it which would you uh i'll read all right so it's cavalier of thorns two green 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 for an elemental knight it is a five six with reach and when it enters the battlefield reveal the top five cards of your library you may put a land card from among them onto the battlefield put the rest into your graveyard also when cavalier of thorns dies you may exile it if you do, put another card from your graveyard on top of your library. Uh, how would you rank this compared <laughs> to the other Cavaliers? Uh, I would put this at the bottom of the four so far, uh, for sure. I think that this is much, much, much more of like a niche card. Um, not many, it, pretty much every other, especially monocolor deck for the other guys, 
uh, would want to run that creature that we just read straight from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Where this guy, uh, only a few decks really want to do this. Like, there really aren't that... This this doesn't really want to go in... Not every deck really needs this guy, basically, mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. Um, and I think that we'll probably in play too i think that just we're just not going to see this guy as much as the other ones yeah like it doesn't help that like what power exists in this card Mm -hmm. is concentrated more in his death trigger rather than his etb so like the other guys like with the white one okay yeah of course i want a generous gift something yeah or the black one yeah of course i want to attrition something yeah the black or like the red i i of course i want to like ditch all these lands and get a bunch of fresh cards but with this guy paying five mana just to like maybe ramp yourself (laughs) the the fact that you can whiff is just yeah it's mind-boggling yeah it's It's crazy it's humiliating yeah it's really 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 nuts and also like why is that what i want to be doing on my fifth turn yeah like why i'm i'm so stoked to jump from five (laughs) to seven i guess like when (laughs) when in green like you're in the color that can go from two to five like and then from like five to like eight or nine or plus or yeah. whatever, like just really insane to 10 if you got a doubler, like, yeah, no, yeah. I don't, I don't see it. And also like, why did they nerf this one with the exile part? Like the white and the black one both have infinite like graveyard combos. Why is this one the one that gets the, the exile clause? Yeah. I mean, I think specifically, and people have talked about this online too, is that they just wanted they they just were so afraid of like the prime time like uh, and uh primeval sylvan ver- primordial sylvan primordial the history of those cards is just chasing looking down on them and they mm-hmm. were so afraid to print like another green guy yeah they're still standing under the shadow of those mistakes yeah <laughs> all right so, yeah. fair enough yeah. uh, they did that again at the uh the game night thing didn't they? oh the star box or whatever it was yeah because they printed a cycle of uh mythics that all like scale with the number of opponents but the green one didn't do that it just let all players including your opponents go tutor out two lands yeah it was pretty heinous yeah green is never going to get a good member of a big creature cycle ever again (laughs) uh the past haunts us Mm mm-hmm this next guy though yeah i want to get into this this is pretty nice yeah let me read him yeah it's uh elvish reclaimer it's a single green for a one two elf warrior it gets plus two plus two as long as there are three or more land cards in your graveyard and it has two tap sacrifice a land search your library for a land card put it onto the battlefield tapped then shuffle your library uh what are your thoughts on this guy this guy rocks (laughs) (laughs) this guy is so cool like Oh man, a it gets bigger when there's lands in your graveyards. That's only going to be relevant for like modern, like eternal formats, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care about like a one mana three four. That's dumb. Yeah. Um, but just like being able to get whatever land I want, assuming I had two mana and a land, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So very excited to play this and just abuse the crap out of it and get so many things. Yeah, I, I wouldn't run this if my deck didn't have powerful lands. Yeah. But if I did have powerful lands, I would run this 100% of yeah. the time. Yeah, and also think like graveyard interaction too. So like if your deck has some powerful lands 
and graveyard interactions mm-hmm. or like you do want lands in your graveyard yes yeah <laughs> go for it i mean getting like using this in a lord Windgrace deck and not only like getting out your most powerful lands but also filling your graveyard for lands that lord Windgrace can re- recur yeah that's so strong yeah and that's in like titania nuts and gitrog nuts and so many things so definitely like a cool card i'm gonna try oh to yeah no up. god getting out your uh deck more salvage (laughs) and sacrificing another land and drawing a car you're like oh oh hello um he also can ramp you like if you mm. just uh if you go get your ancient tomb or whatever yeah 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 you can you can get there that way he's a great card good card very happy love one drops Mm -hmm. uh this next guy is a two drop this is leafkin druid uh, they are a zero three elemental druid for one and a green. They have tap add green. If you control four or more creatures, add two green instead. Yeah, there's just like some decks that will be able to use this really well. Yeah, I like so obviously like the one mana uh the one mana accelerants are the best. Yeah. But I do like two mana accelerants that can sort of level up at some point. Because mm-hmm. like I'm a big fan of Whisper of the Wilds in four CMC, four power commanders because you can just go like turn two whisperer turn three cast my commander turn four i now have two mana out of my whisper of the wilds and this guy is kind of the same thing if you cast him on turn two and then cast like a city c mm-hmm. uh city c brew tyrant that is then like city c enters the battlefield mills you you probably get a zombie next turn you attack with city c you probably get another zombie and then you have two mana coming off of your leaf druid or you just like cast your commander turn three and then turn uh and if your commander makes a token or yeah. you can just like cast two creatures on turn four it, it seems like it's really easy to turn this guy on especially in the right decks yeah for sure i mean tana the blood sower the partner commander hits and makes a bunch of guys get this down a turn earlier and then make a bunch of mana seems good so yeah there's definitely uh commanders that want this kind of stuff in particular this kind of level up for that mm-hmm Oh, okay. Uh, so the next card is Leyline of Abundance. So spoiler alert: Leylines are back. Whoa! They they kept three that they've gotten right in previous years, and they're <laughs> rolling again on a couple colors. Yeah. Uh, so this one in particular, uh, Leyline of Abundance. So it has the oh, it's it costs four, so two and two green, uh, and it has the Leyline text. So if it's in your opening hand, you can play it for, put it on the battlefield for free, and then it has whenever you tap a creature for mana, add an additional green. And six green green, so eight mana, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. (laughs) Yeah, so that's a lot for that. But you're also hopefully generating a bunch of mana. So there's really only a few lists that could make use of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Sachi, daughter of Sashiro, um, she is a four cost shaman that says shamans you control have tap add green green to your mana pool so that deck is just i'm gonna curve out shamans on one two three cast sachi tap my shamans for to cast more shamans and kind of snowball from there so the deck is really good at getting out a lot of creatures that all tap for mana and it also has a tendency to um kind of flood out a little bit because once you run out of gas once you cast all your shamans you're kind of just like well i need a way to win with all this mana and i mean eight mana is like a pretty it's pretty steep it's a steep rate but if you're just trying to do something with tons of mana it'll get you there yeah it's better than nothing Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah. So there's also like Rishkar. Rishkar makes a lot of sense. Makes a ton of sense. You uh, not only are making a ton of mana, but you're making a ton of mana with the things that Rishkar makes when he comes down. You're putting nice. plus, plus one counters on more things yeah. so that they can tap for mana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you do actually activate it, you're not. it's not even just for the beef. You're also getting like value out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and cool. Yeah, it's really red. Next <laughs> card is uh, kind of niche as well. It is Nightpack Ambusher. Two green green for a 4-4 four, four wolf with, with flash. Other wolves and werewolves you control get plus one plus one. At the beginning of your end step, if you didn't cast a spell this turn, create a 2-2 green wolf creature token. So I think that, uh, well, until Wizards atones for Ulrich, the only deck that you're going to be able to play this in is Tulsimir, Friend of Wolves. Yeah. Yeah. He's a big wolf. He's good. He makes more wolves. He pumps your other wolves. It's perfect for that deck. Yeah. No, there's really not too much to say about him. I, I Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are there well, actually are there other they, i know they said werewolves specifically for that reason for like the wolf and werewolf deck mm-hmm. but there aren't any werewolves in the set right no okay cool they haven't printed any werewolves since the last time we were on in okay good rad uh so the next unless card, well actually there are a bunch of werewolves in modern Horizon. oh yeah there's a ton of them look at them all um there's a colorless one crazy mm-hmm. um so this is season of growth an enchantment, one and a green, whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, scry one. And then whenever you cast a spell that targets a creature you control, draw a card. Um, so I think that Enthusa is the only commander that can use the second ability. Mm-hmm. And for those who aren't familiar with her... Yeah, she's a she's a deep dive. She's a five mana... Warrior. War- so, yeah. Here, I'll read it out. It's a three green green for a four five human warrior. Heroic, when you cast a spell that targets Anthusa, Satessan Hero, up to three target lands you control, each become 2-2 warrior creatures until end of turn. They're still lands. So Anthusa, because it's a heroic deck, you're naturally running a lot of spells that target her. And Season of Growth allows you to draw a card off of each of those guys. So it seems pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is such an interesting card because the first one makes you go like, Okay, cool. Whenever a creature enters, scry one. You're like, okay, go go wide maybe. Like that seems pretty cool. And then you're like, whenever you target what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's kind of disjointed, but yeah, it seems like one half definitely goes wide and the other goes tall. Mm-hmm. But um, I I could imagine using the first ability in like a token deck or an elf ball list, mm-hmm. just a way to like dig really deep. Yeah. No, for sure. This next card is called Shared Summons. It is a green instant. It's 3GG, so 5CMC. It has search your library for up to two creature cards with different names, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. So this card seems good at assembling combos. Yeah, this card assembles combos so good. Mm -hmm. But if that's not what you're trying to do with your deck, then you've got better options. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're just using this as a toolbox kind of thing, like, I really need an answer to enchantments right now, then you're better off just running one of the more efficient green tutors. Yeah. Because you could just play, like, Worldly Tutor or Court of Calling or Finale of oh, yeah, finale. Devastation. I think it's Devastation, right? Yeah. We'll figure that out. But uh, yeah, also like Green Sun Zenith. Like there's a ton if you're in mono green and need that. Yeah. 
Um, if you're not in Monogram, I mean, like, they just reprinted Eladamiri's Call. Oh, yeah. Or Eladamiri's. Eladamiri's. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that's one in a white, a green and white instant tutor for a creature. Mm hmm. That's a good card. Mm hmm. Uh, next, we've got Voracious Hydra at X green green for a zero one Hydra. It has Trample. It enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. And when it enters the battlefield, you can choose one. Either double the number of plus one plus one counters on it, or it fights target creature you don't control. So where do you think this might be useful? I mean, definitely like mono green decks. Like this is just something where like there's not a lot of creature control in mono green decks mm-hmm. um there's not a lot of cards that actually like fight efficiently mm-hmm. or like punch efficiently which is like a super weird thing i thought they would have put like they back way 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 back in uh tarkir block um they printed the green foe razor region yeah and i was like oh cool so they're gonna print more fight cards and then it took them forever i know for to, like the closest thing is like somberwald stack, yeah. but like that's that's not gonna survive that. No, yeah, and even like friendly Indrik or whatever from like one of the Ravnica sets from this last year. It's like mm-hmm. a four three that fights when it enters the battlefield. It's the same kind of thing. It's like this is not the rate that we need. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't understand. So this is actually like pretty cool. I think it's cute. It has one toughness for some reason. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. I'll take the bonus. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think that uh, green decks will like this a lot. And if you're into there, there's like Hydra meme decks. Yeah, with like Roshin. Yeah, so that they'll they'll be into it too. Next is Empyrean Eagle. We're getting into the multicolor cards. Woo. So this is one white blue for a two three bird spirit. It's got flying and other creatures you control with flying get plus one plus one. So. I would say this card isn't currently good, but it may become good. Yes. Yeah, we do like to highlight those cards too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because this is like, it's in two tribes that might care about what it's doing and it's just cheap enough to maybe have an impact at some point in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if Bird Tribal ever gets a better commander than Kangi, or if Spirit Tribal gets a commander, period, then (laughs) this uh, might find a place in those decks. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. all right. Yeah, the next one. This is Moldervine Reclamation. Uh, this is three black-green enchantment. Uh, whenever a creature you control dies, gain a life and draw a card. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like an incredibly powerful trigger stuck behind a very expensive permanent. Yeah, yeah. This I feel like the format has gravitated away from five-mana do-nothing enchantments over yeah. the years. <laughs> that's true. Um, and also there are just many, many cards that do the same thing a lot more efficiently. Mm. You've got your Dark Prophecy. You've got your Midnight Reaper. Um, there's just a lot of things that um, work better than this. But if you're really in the, the market for a critical mass of this effect and your deck has a lot of ways to kill its own creatures, then yeah, go ahead, run it. Yep. The next card, it was such a such a tease. This mm-hmm. was Risen Reef. So, Risen Reef is a 1-1 elemental for one green-blue. Whenever Risen Reef or another elemental enters the battlefield under your control, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may put it onto the battlefield tapped. If you don't put the card onto the battlefield, put it into your hand. Um, so, yeah, this really makes... Uh, so, the obvious comparison 
is the coiling oracle. So mm-hmm. this turns all your elementals into coiling oracles, uh, which seems pretty good. Um, if only we'd gotten a commander that maybe could utilize that yeah. a little bit better. Well, hmm. I think I have a deck that could utilize that. <laughs> uh, so uh, recently I cooked up... Well, let me start a little bit earlier. So when Modern Horizons came out, it had a bunch of changelings in it. And I got to thinking, like, how many changelings do we have exactly? And with all the changelings and, like, Mutavault and some of, like, the cheap clones that are available, you can get to, like, more than 30 creatures in your deck with every creature type. So I thought, like, it might be pretty fun to make a tribal deck, but it's everything tribal. So with 30 creatures, you're, I, I did some hypergeometric calculation, and you've got about a 75% chance of drawing three creatures with every creature type by turn four. So that's, <laughs> that's enough that's to like make whatever tribal effect you're, you have in your hand work. So it just runs like Crucible of Fire, like three and a red, Dragons you control get plus three plus three. It's like an amazing rate for that kind of buff but it's balanced by the fact that it no- normally only works with dragons. But in this deck, it's just like, okay, my Moth Dust Changeling is a 4-4 yeah. four, four for one. Uh, Yuriko, the Tiger's Claw, like whenever your ninjas hit, you get to reveal a top card, put in your hand, everyone loses that much life. That is obviously, its t- power is tempered by the fact that there's so few ninja in Magic, but my deck's just full of ninja. Yep. So Risen Reef seems perfect for that deck. Uh, it's just like a powerful tribal effect that I can farm pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Oh, also another really the nice one. one. The spiciest one. Uh, if you're running Liliana's Contract, well, <laughs> I've got four different demons. They're just four different changelings, and it's pretty easy <laughs> to win the game off of that. I'll, I'll post the uh, link to my Everything Tribal list when I put the episode up. But, uh, yeah, it's got me really excited to see, like, new tribal effects because they all work well with my existing deck. It's great. It's wonderful. All right. Uh, ooh, this next one's good. Um, yeah. I'll read it and you want to talk about it? Yeah. So it's Manifold Key. It's a single mana uh, generic for an artifact. It has one tap, untap another target artifact, and three tap target creature can't be blocked this turn. What do you think about this? Card? Yeah, so I put Voltaic Key in like a lot more decks than I think uh, is reasonable these days. Um, Voltaic Key used to be a big thing in the format. I feel like when I started playing, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, and I haven't seen it as much lately. And it's also made me feel bad sometimes because mm-hmm. <laughs> you draw it and you're like, oh well, like I can't generate mana off this, or I can't really abuse this right now. So it's just kind of sitting here not doing that much but now i can just like make my commander unblockable Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's like a great fail case yeah i've really enjoyed using voltaic key and heavy artifact decks Mm -hmm. because there are enough uh mana rocks that tap for like two or more mana that you yeah you generate the mana yeah that it turns on the voltaic key and makes it so it's actually generating um so i would happily run this as like just a second copy of voltaic key and then there are also some commanders that can definitely make use of that mm-hmm. second ability. Like um, 
for example, like the Kozileks or oh, yeah. the Ulamogs, they, all of those commanders run a ton of these mana rocks that tap for a bunch of mana. And yeah. they also uh, have enormous commanders that don't have evasion. So <laughs> hit you real hard. Yeah. Real crazy. So yeah, no, I thought that was a really cool in, include into the set and I would not have expected it. So mm-hmm. cool. Oh, this next one is sweet. This next one's sweet. So this is Cryptic Caves. Uh, do you want to talk about it? After? Sure. Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, okay. you go ahead and read it. Yeah. So Cryptic Caves, uh, this is a land. It taps for a colorless. It has one tap, sacrifice Cryptic Caves, draw a card, activate this ability only if you control five or more lands. So I would try to find room for this in any monocolor deck. And I would also put it in like some multicolor decks that really care about lands hitting the graveyard like the Gitrog monster or lord Windgrace. it's uh in heavy multicolor decks obviously you can't run a lot of um cards that don't generate colored mana but it just seems like a great way to smooth things out for monocolor lists that don't mind having one land that doesn't tap for their color mm-hmm uh, yeah, I noticed that like a lot of people for budget reasons will use um just like all basics in their monolith or something like that, mm-hmm. but like there's so many budget options of lands that are just like good that I always find myself running in monocolor lists. Oh yeah, I like to run a lot of cycling lands in my monocolor mm-hmm. lists, for example. Yeah, exactly. Just there's like little things you can do that really like make sm- a difference. Yeah, make a huge difference just over the course of the game. So totally excited about that. Uh, this next one is also an interesting colorless land. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is Field of the Dead. Uh, it enters the battlefield tapped, taps for a colorless, and whenever Field of the Dead or another land enters the battlefield under your control, if you control seven or more lands with different names, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. So I think this is a card for mono brown decks. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, because like monocolor decks, they are running too many basics to get seven lands with different names. Mm-hmm. Like even with the um, like cycling lands or whatever, your deck is still going to be more than twenty basics yeah. of the yeah. same <laughs> name. Uh, and then like the heavy multicolor, the heavy multicolor decks that have lots of different lands with different names are going to be unwilling to give up a land slot for something that only produces colorless. Yeah. But in mono brown decks, like you can run close to 100% utility lands, and you of course don't care that it only taps for colorless. Yeah, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's really interesting. It's it's. I feel like with these core sets lately, what they've been doing is, I mean, they've kind of specifically said they've been putting more commander inserts into sets, which is like a plus. Mm-hmm. Like cool. Like turns out there's a ton of us, and we buy cards. Who would have thought? Um, but I think it's interesting to see these kind of plants where they're like the reef, uh, risen reef, for instance, like they see these plants, like these things that commander players kind of want or need or do and have been slowly putting them in there. I feel like that with the, the manifold key too, like that's not necessarily something unless the next set has something to do with artifacts. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something you just kind of throw in your yeah but like commander players really love voltaic key so why not yeah and and i believe that they like specifically called out like monocolor commander decks when they spoiled cryptic caves yeah like they are definitely trying to and also i don't think it's a coincidence that uh or rather i don't think there was no thought put into the fact that 
all of the cavaliers are triple color. Yeah. Like it seems like they are pushing you towards or making it making it so that there are more reasons to play monocolor decks. Yeah, which is great. I love that. So last card for today. Um, this is Lotus Field. Do you, I'll just read it because I'm already here. <laughs> so Lotus Field uh, has Hexproof. Wow. Uh, it enters the battlefield tapped. When Lotus Field enters the battlefield, sacrifice two lands, and it has tap, add three mana of any one color. Um, yeah, throwback. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that this is so similar to Lotus Veil makes it pretty easy to figure out where this yeah. is going to be good in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Lotus Veil sees play in Titania, in Kokori, in the Gitrog Monster, in Teferi, that uh, Teferi the, Temporal Archmage. Yeah, the mono blue one. Uh, well, there, uh, there's two mono blue ones. um uh, it uh it also sees play in lord windgrace and uh moldrotha and derevi so there's a bunch of decks that are just automatically going to either swap to lotus field or run it alongside it Mm -hmm. so uh that's where you should play this yeah no i think that this card is great and i love it and uh you don't have to worry about it getting strip mined Mm -hmm. wonderful yeah no it's huge upgrade all right um so as we promised last time, we're going to talk about some of the submissions we've gotten from our custom card folks. Well, I think today, because this episode's running kind of long, we're probably just going to talk about one, but yeah. we promise we're going to get through more of these over time, and we'll probably have an episode where we batch a bunch of them together. Yes, yes, because there's a lot of cool ones and a lot of things we want to talk about. So Yeah, and thank you to everyone who submitted a design. Um, we will try to get to as many of them as we can. Yes, yes, you deserve more than the... The time we have. The time we have right now. (laughs) Um, So we're going to talk about Gwen Splicer Headmaster. It is three white green for a 3-3 legendary human artificer. Oh, I I should mention it comes to us from Veroid. And it has tap, search your library for an artificer card, reveal it, and put it into your hand. Once per turn, you may pay zero rather than pay the mana cost for a golem creature spell you cast. And tap an untapped artificer you control, put a plus one plus one counter on each golem you control. What do you think about this card? I think this is interesting because I, I like that uh, what this card does is it lets you use a bunch of the artificers like from Kaladesh, the white ones, because mm-hmm. there's a ton of white ones. I like the golem tribal aspect of it. And when I saw this card, I had to like think about it. And I had to like actually do some searches to look at like what would this list look like? Like what... Am I trying to play here? And like the thing, the zero mana golems you're trying to cast are like Platinum Empyrean and probably like Blightsteel and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, but the fact that it searches out like white and green artificers mm-hmm. rather than searching out golems exactly. is pretty sweet. Yeah. Like uh, if you were getting just golems, then you then like the zero, the thing that reduces golems mana cost to zero would be busted as heck. Yeah, it would just be too much. But uh there's some really interesting like white and blue artifacts and i don't think you'd get the same ones every time no yeah it's it's true i think that it's just an interesting this actually would have like a lot of interesting gameplay Mm -hmm. which is very cool because yeah there's like some i just want to read out some of these yeah yeah because like you can get stone forge and that's pretty good but in some situations like there's also armor craft judge 
which is three and a green for a three three. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card for each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it. So if you have a bunch of golems and you put a bunch of plus one plus one counters on them, then armor craft becomes a lot more appealing. I could get a single equipment with Stoneforge, or I could get just a bunch of random cards with yeah. armor craft. Um, there's also things like Argivian Archaeologist, which like yeah. you can get some sort of recursion engine going. It seems uh yeah, it seems like a really sweet commander. I definitely when I saw this, I was like, why is this green? But yeah. like the fact that you can get Armorcraft Judge, it's like, okay, I get it now. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's pretty red. So yeah, there's actually a lot of like interesting things going on here mm-hmm. um that I did not expect when I first saw it. Yeah. And that's cool. I'm into that. So cool design. Thank you for submitting it, Veroid. And for everyone else, we will get to your submissions. Yes. As soon as we can. Yes, we promise we will do more stuff because you guys submitted a ton of stuff that was really awesome. And we just like, what is this? We're, we're already like going to hit almost two hours. So, yeah. So, so a couple things we want to talk about before we uh, close for today. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are, what are some of the, the new decks you, you're yeah, working yeah. on? What yeah, are some we, of the, the recent additions from Modern Horizons? Mm-hmm. Anything else cool magic-related stuff you want to talk about? Yeah, no, so this is a segment that I think we've wanted to try adding in for a little while. So recently, I took apart a bunch of decks. So I, I had like a Liliana Heretical Healer. I had um, Audric 2.0. I had, oh God, uh, Kega, Tidestar. I had a bunch of lists that I just wasn't playing because either they were like, not fun or too mean or kind of underpowered or something like that. So I took them all apart and kind of beefed up some other decks, but I also made um, a Noyandar list, which was my spoiler from earlier because I was looking, I'd always wanted to uh, just because I like finding ways to break symmetry on things. And so basically exactly what I mentioned with the river of tears earlier, when we talked about it, I was like, Oh, you know, what's really fun is if you, uh, it also kind of goes into this philosophy I've been trying to have with control where I'm like trying not to really control too much until it's like turn 13. Mm-hmm. Once it's turn 13, you had your fun. Yeah. And I'm going to jump in here. And so when you use like an Archaeomancer and get back like a uh, crush of tentacles and just like bounce everything every turn, but like I still hit you with my 12-12 land, like that seemed pretty cool to me. Mm-hmm. So just trying to find ways to break symmetry on these spells that like I don't really want to run in any other deck <laughs> was pretty interesting um but definitely tectonic Reform- reformation has been putting a lot of lists generous gift has been going into a lot of lists um i'm trying to think of more cards from modern horizons a ton of commons and uncommons the harrow druid you can probably remember more I, i'm trying to go off the top of my head hall of heliods generosity has gone into some lists um do you, do you want to bring up anything you're doing right sure, now sure yeah so I'm taking apart a couple of decks right around the time where the spark came out. I made a bunch of decks based around planeswalkers from that set mm-hmm. with, with them as the commander, just yeah, sort of yeah, an experiment. Yeah. And while a couple of them are definitely going to survive and be a part of my roster going forward, mm-hmm. I, I was really impressed with a Johnny the Great Hearted and the new Soren. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm taking apart a couple of them. So one of them is Sahili Sublime Artificer. Because, like, I built it, and then I played it once, and in that game, I comboed off on turn three, and I was just like, okay, this <laughs> this is not something my friends are going to let me do every game night. Yeah. And then I'm also taking apart uh, Nahiri, V 
the the new one, the the hybrid one, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because it's a powerful deck when it gets going. Like because you're equipping Skull Clamp for free, yeah, and you're equipping Paradise Mail for free, and tapping all your guys for mana, and then generating a bunch of cards off of all, off of all of them. But it's also incredibly uh, easily disrupted, yeah. Because if like the Skull Clamp dies, your deck you're kind of just left with a bunch of tokens and not a lot to do with them. And also, I want to cannibalize it for parts. <laughs> so, uh, taking those apart, and I'm making the everything tribal deck I mentioned earlier in this episode. Yeah. I, I've done some gold fishing with it. It just seems like really fun and fair, and it plays differently every time based on what tribal effects you draw. So, that seems pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, as for new cards from Modern Horizons, uh, lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Yeah, so many. That set was so red. Mm-hmm. So red. So naturally, I put Generous Gift in all my white decks. <laughs> uh, I put Tectonic Reformation, Throws of Chaos, and Shenanigans in Windgrace. Um, Tectonic Reformation really, really impressed me so far. Yeah. It's it's so awesome. Throws of Chaos, it just it often doesn't feel good. Like I know it's a free card, but I just don't like giving up control like that. I think that. Yeah it might not be powerful enough in a three-color deck like that. Mm-hmm. But maybe I've been planning on building like a mono red deck so that I can make use of all these sweet red cards that they're, they've been printing recently. Um, other than that, I rebuilt my Tuvasa deck because solely because of the printing of Hall of Heliod's Generosity. <laughs> I just really want to go off with that. Yeah. Um, and then one last uh, magic-related thing I want to mention I don't know if you all have been collecting the art series cards, but I've gotten all of them. Uh, I ordered them. They they dropped in price really fast. You can get all of them for like 25 cents or less these days. But if any of you have played Codenames Pictures before, it's a game where you have two teams and there's just a grid of pictures and two Codemasters know which of those pictures correspond to their team. And they have to give their team clues to get them to guess the right pictures. So I uh, am planning on playing some code names pictures using these art cards and playing with a bunch of friends I have who play Magic, so that it's more like themed and we can say things. We can give ourselves <laughs> clues that we wouldn't be able to if it was just generic random pictures, like for example, artifact or yeah. like sacrifice, yeah. <laughs> things like that. So uh, I think that'll be pretty fun and it's a cool use for those art cards rather than just like mounting them or something yeah just putting them on your wall or pinning them up on the dartboard in the office yeah yeah um and there's one last thing i wanted to talk about today Mm -hmm. and uh it it came up on the most recent episode of the command zone where yeah josh was talking a bit about oathbreaker and i think that well my conception of Oathbreaker might be a little bit different than other people's. So uh, take it with a grain of salt. But I think of Oathbreaker as a competitor to Commander. Not not merely just like another format in the way that like Standard or Modern is a different format. Like Oathbreaker is playing in the same space of like casual multiplayer building around a specific character singleton like there's so many similarities that 
I don't think it's a different audience. I think it's the same audience. And I think it has the potential like tiny leaders to sort of draw people away from the the main commander and like make it so that like, oh, I only brought my tiny leaders deck <laughs> and you have only a commander <laughs> decks. Uh-oh. I, I don't know whether it's got the, if it's going to die off as quickly as tiny leaders or say brawl. Yeah. But... I think that like it's two years old. Like Oathbreaker did not come around just a second ago. No. It really what happened is that it's been floating around and nobody really cared. And then right around War of the Spark came out, people were really, really interested in planeswalkers as commanders. And the rules committee said, No, that's not happening. It's and we're never going to like entertain the idea of it happening. And so, like, all that energy that could have potentially gone into Commander and, like, oh, I'm going to build this Kiora deck as my Commander yeah, uh, just got funneled into this format that w- prior to then had been completely obscure. Yeah, I think that if the Rules Committee had just done even a trial period of allowing Planeswalkers of, as Commanders, they would have, like, killed Oathbreaker in the crib and it would have never expanded to the amount of like interest and visibility and popularity that we're seeing today. Like there wouldn't be an EDH rec Oathbreaker. Oh yeah. And, or, and like there wouldn't be an, an Oathbreaker subreddit if people had just had the opportunity to do this thing they really, really wanted to do while still playing commander. And I think that the rules committee like needs to understand that, this is not just some random thing that people are doing. Like as the shepherds of the format, they need to be thinking about it in terms of like, we are offering a product. There are competitors offering other products. If some, if people are being drawn to these other products, we need to think about how we can change, how we can adapt so that we maintain our audience and our market share. And so far it doesn't seem like they're doing that. Like it seemed like, the reaction that Josh had was basically like, I want them to want something different. I want the audience to want something different. I feel like Oathbreaker should be like a a hyper competitive format so that it can carve out its own space separate from commander. But the thing is, that's not what people want. Yeah. Like you need to be responsive to what people want and you can't just tell them that they should want something differently. If they're just because like there's another product out there that's threatening your monopoly over this like casual multiplayer games over drinks type of format. Uh, Anyway, that's that's my thoughts on Oathbreaker. Please, uh, you know, tweet at me or send me a message on Tumblr if you have a different perspective. But I think it's it may not be a mortal threat. It's totally possible that it could die overnight and just fade away and peter out into nothingness yeah but the shepherds of the format should not be complacent about it yeah i'm not gonna say much about oathbreaker i am going to say that uh if the people who are running the oathbreaker format are as uh kind of like laissez-faire as the our rules committee has been Mm -hmm. just kind of like hands off Mm -hmm. it will die it's not going to last because I think like the commander's gameplay is so good that it's succeeded in spite of some of the other things mm-hmm. that could have come up. Oathbreaker 
being technically a variant is like they're going to need to actually think about like how to market themselves and how to get people to play it and like the ban list and stuff like that. But the thing is like, I mean, yeah, it's going to require work on their part to eat up more of the commander market share. Mm -hmm. But eventually like somebody's going to come along who like has a good idea and is willing to put in the work Mm -hmm. and the rules committee needs to be responsive to that and adapt. That's true. And they can't just continue being like ban list, no changes for 36 months in a row. Yeah. No, I mean, but that's, that's, uh, that is totally correct. I'm just saying that I don't think that the Oathbreaker like has taken, uh, has taken off. I know. I agree. And and by, by like any metric, you look at the number of decks on the EDH rec Oathbreaker, or you look at the number of subscribers on the Oathbreaker subreddit compared to the commander subreddit. And it's, it's nothing. Yeah. Um. But I just don't like the way that um. There, the the rules committee might be like thinking about the, yeah, the two formats together. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that like they need to. It would be nice if they used this as an opportunity to like, to actually compete, like mm-hmm. to to put some effort in and and see and and see like, really think about how they can improve the format because. Yeah, if if you're the only game in town, then I, you can just like sit on your haunches and and do whatever. But I think that Commander can be improved, and they should have a mindset of continuous improvement, so that nobody else can come along and split the split the format. Yeah. So with that said, I think I think we're just about out of time good. for today. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that this is a discussion that I would actually want to do more of at some point in Mm -hmm. the future just we've gone so long today (laughs) yeah well i want to thank all our patreon patrons they are bradley gustav ryan mark amond addison arthur mason will elvis rick laser Raphael, kyle charlotte andrew and casey thank you all for supporting the show we we really appreciate it if you are not currently a patreon patron go on over to patreon.com slash commander theory and you can join up today thank you all for listening thanks for listening if you want to get in touch with me i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr if you want to reach zach he is at fat bartleby on twitter and tumblr The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check them out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time.